Hey guys, Eric here, and I want to talk to you real quick about the dailydownforce.com. Every day, this website covers the latest news and trends in NASCAR, from silly season right through the checkered flag in Phoenix. Need a new morning routine as soon as you wake up? Well, now you have it, dailydownforce.com. This is the website I use to keep up with the industry, the drivers, and of course, what the community is talking about. And speaking of community, dailydownforce.com is also home to some of your other favorite NASCAR content creators. Plus, they've got all sorts of information that I like to keep bookmarked, like schedules, penalties, ratings, and everything you want to know. Oh, and be sure to check out the merch shop while you're there to find some exclusive diecasts and collectibles. So check out dailydownforce.com, that's dailydownforce.com, and I'll see you in the replies. Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. Before history is written, Played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, to the eighth episode of Power Hour. Brennan, can you believe we've kept this up at least once per month since like February, March, something like that? How's it going? Brennan Poole is here as well. My name is Eric Easter. Brennan, what's going on? I love it. You're dressed in all black. You look very uh, spooky over there. <laughs> well, it's almost Halloween. It's almost Halloween month, man. And as you know, it's crazy in my house because Lindsay is like, loves halloween there's gonna be i'm like turn the corner later ah scare myself by a ghoul or a goblin or something but and i also have my my shirt literally says that was scary for any (laughs) supernatural fans out there i'm a huge supernatural fan um so you know it's that time of year almost only a few more days away and um and yeah and also eighth episode it's our dale jr episode don't people do that it's like, uh, uh, yeah, it's common to like, oh, history of the eight car. What, what's a yeah. famous athlete who wore the number eight? You know, things like that. That's a common. Dale Jr. It's a junior. It's a junior yeah, episode. Junior. Yeah. Hey, but the day we're recording <laughs> this, I saw a new driver, the number eight next year, Junior Motorsports, uh, Sammy yeah. Smith. So uh, that's a wild move to me. 
Interesting move. Wild because, on from the driver's perspective, you think, or the teams? Yeah, yeah. From my perspective, I feel like it's a wild move. I mean, I don't know the inner workings of how they're sure. feeling and how his group is feeling as far as being at Joe Gibbs racing. But yeah, it would be very hard for me to want to leave Joe Gibbs, not saying anything negative about juniors at all. Just like he's already won a race there. He's been very competitive multiple times throughout the season. He's very young. Um, and I look like at he had it, a good thing going. And I look at it like Toyota. And we, we'll get to the episode in a moment. But I look at a, <laughs> you know, Toyota. You know, with you know now they have a spot for John Hunter. I mean, Sammy Smith's kind of like they're next in line. It appears. I know he's really young. Maybe they're not thinking Cup for the next couple of years. But hey, twenty is the new thirty. Like there are plenty of twenty year olds look, looking at you know Cup Series racing now. So it's. Uh, I'm just a little surprised that they'd go to Chevy where there seems to be kind of a log jam with, you know, Hendrick and now Trackhouse yeah. has four drivers for two cars. Like how the hell is that going to work? I, it, it doesn't work. That, that none of those, some of those decisions don't make any sense to me either. I think, um, I don't know, maybe there were some panic signs, <laughs> panic maybe. hires. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of interesting things have, have happened over the last month. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I find it a very interesting move and, and uh, going to be very interesting to see who falls into those Joe Gibbs Xfinity car seats. Um, you have you know, any insight? Whether, have you heard any names? I, I mean, I, you hear the rumors. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, I know that Riley Herbst, I, I believe, wants to go back um, mm-hmm. from the rumors, whether that's true or not. I, I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, I think that would be a good move move for him. It seems like the. Stuart Haas venture for him has not really worked. And he was real close to winning a couple of times when he was with Gibbs. I mean, Gibbs just has really good cars, really yeah. good equipment. Um, it's hard to not want to just be there in general, especially in the Xfinity series. They're pretty much dominant. So um, that that would be an interesting, interesting thing to see what happens because now yeah. that Sammy's left, now there's like there's basically they've only signed what one person publicly. The the Ryan Truex is gonna run six, eight races or whatever something, it is. They're gonna work something out, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So there's like nothing and I and I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't an you know anyone else that has kind of popped in and out of that 19 car uh this year, whether it's like Trevor Bain or you know, you saw Joe Graff run a couple of times in there. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys were still there. Sure. But I don't know what they're gonna do with the full-time cars like who's going to drive the 20 who's going to drive the 18 have have you slid your resume uh, across anyone's desk in recent <laughs> months <laughs> um yeah for sure i mean i think um naturally for me i just have like conversations with some of the team owners that um mostly approach me i, I haven't done a whole lot of approaching my myself um in the last couple of years i just try to like I really want to be somewhere where I'm wanted. So that, that I think is, has something to do with it too, especially for sure. younger drivers, like wherever you go, you want the team owner and the organization to to believe in you and your abilities. And, um, you know, it'd be awesome, um, to, to end up at one of those big teams again, at some point in my career, for sure. But it, as we all know, it takes the, the sponsorship support to make it happen. So yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, excited to see what happens for me for next year for sure um i have ideas but i'm happy with with how any of the stuff shakes out it'll be it'll be all right i i'm excited to find out as well personally um 
Well, we kind of just jumped into the show here, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, welcome to Power Hour. I'm not sure I even said the name. Welcome to Out of the Groove Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. Uh, we have to shout out Circle B. Uh, you can use code OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30 at circlebdiecast.com. We really appreciate their support. Uh, every week, Brennan and I like to show off a favorite diecast from our collections. I don't think I've shown this one off on the show before, but uh, you know, the playoffs <laughs> are in full swing. Christopher Bell's had a couple of clutch runs. I've got a, a signed Christopher Bell first win uh, from 2021 diecast right here that always looks pretty nice on my shelf. Brennan, do you have a favorite diecast <laughs> that you wanted to give some screen time to this week? Yeah, I'm going with the ever so classic. Always oh, you have in the background. There it is, Jeff Gordon. I like to put I like to put it back there. The Jeff Gordon, the Flames. Let me get a little little tilt action here. But look, the, the wing, the wing from the wing era. Um, I look at these cars and I giggle a little bit um, and I, and then I put it right back away, but, um, yeah, just, you know, I'm a Jeff Gordon fan. I got a lot of Jeff Gordon cars. A lot nice. of Jeff Gordon cars have been gifted to me. I literally think I have every single car that he's, uh, that he ever drove, um, to a certain point. Like I don't have when he filled in for junior and ran the 88 or any oh, of that would be stuff. crazy. But, yeah. No, that'd be, insane. but I have, um, I have like I have his prelude to the dream, the dirt lay models, Damn. like I have his old Xfinity cars, like I have all of that. People will gift them to me over the year. Cause I the first place I ever drove was at the same place that Jeff oh, yeah. Gordon ever drove for the first time, a little dirt track called Capital in outside of Sacramento, Elk Elk Road. Well, Rio Linda, sorry. Had to go way back in time there to pull wow. that one out. But uh yeah, so I got a lot of Jeff Gordon stuff. So throw it out, throw it out to him. And you are right, Christopher Bell. It is an excellent pick. He, they are having um, a pretty solid um, last couple of weeks um, yeah. on the Cup side the playoffs. They've been quick. Yeah, playoffs are in full swing. Texas this past weekend. Uh, real quick, uh, Brennan, I guess, does this count as like your home race? Uh, I know you and I both grew up in the Houston area. Um, Fort Worth, a, a nice, you know, brisk three, four hour drive away. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, Texas. I, I, what'd you make of Texas? It's a home race for me. I mean, it's always fun going there because I've raced at all the tracks that they have there. The the dirt track, the little fifth mile, the road course, the legend car track, and the front stretch. I've You've won done it all the road course? Yeah, I've done the road course, like where everyone camps. I race legend cars oh. there. Oh, I didn't know that. That's wild. Uh-huh. You have done it all. <laughs> I've pretty much, ra- yeah, I've ran it every, everything there. Um, and I, you know, I really want to win there just, you know, to say like I've literally won it every track at Texas Motor Speedway would be awesome. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm well liked there, obviously, because Texas, <laughs> you know, they support their fellow Texans, and uh, so You've yeah, got kind of the bull, and, the Longhorn horns mm-hmm. in your logo, your brand a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah, it's always a good time. I got a lot of uh, supporters there for sure, and the, and the track is, um, it was crazy this weekend. So, uh, like, first time pulling out for practice, I tried to go through three and four like wide open in the middle lane and i just had my right tires in the black like where the pj1 stuff what had been sprayed and i about busted my butt man i mean full-blown wrecked somehow saved it missed the outside wall by what felt like inches it might have been a little bit more than that but when your you know heart is in your throat and Jeez. you're uh all the way up in the middle of the corner and all the dirt f- dust flying everywhere yeah it was intense that first quarter quarter lap i hadn't even like not even up to speed about uh gave me a heart attack but um it was 
that part of it was gnarly. So I knew, like, I knew the race was going to be nuts yeah. because there was no grip. The track was, but, but in saying that and not to talk too much, I'll let you say your thoughts from what you saw. I think the track is getting in a better place from it being more worn out and having less grip where that if some of the drivers could make some smarter decisions during the race, that maybe the race would be good as the track wears out just a little bit more. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out. I'm like playing the other side of it right now. I hear you. No, that is something I wanted to talk about because when we last left our loyal power, our listeners a month ago, we joked sort of semi joked about Texas Motor Speedway's future. Um, but that is very much a topic of conversation. There've been rumors that the Texas state will be moved to the spring. There've been rumors for a while now that they're working on a potential re reconfiguration could they do another Atlanta, turn into a super speedway? You know, uh, Texas Motor Speedway, I'm sentimental. It was the first track I ever went to. It's the track I've gone to more than any other racetrack on the schedule just to watch races. So I, I love that there was a big crowd on Sunday. Uh, I love that the TV rating I just saw earlier today was actually up slightly over last year, which these days is always a welcome sight to see um, for NASCAR Cup races. Um, but I'm, you know, it's hit a sweet spot for IndyCar. We've seen some great IndyCar races there the past couple of years. Unfortunately, it's off the schedule next season for whatever reason. Um, but I'm with you. The racing isn't terrible. I think it's just that turn one and two is really sketchy. That, as a result, produces some of the most memorable moments. Like in the cup race, Bush wrecks out. Obviously, Larson racing Bubba at the end, spins and crashes. Like Some of the most dramatic moments happen in turn uh, turns one and two. Heck, in your race, in the Xfinity race, I think it was, was it Mayer wrecked on lap one at the outside wall? It was mm -hmm. uh, almost a disaster for the whole field. But if they could change turns one and two back, put it back how it was, I don't know. Get your take on this. I, I think it would be, uh, that'd be like a nice compromise. It'd be a little less sketchy, but maybe there'd still be some action out there. Yeah, I think the only, I mean, the track is worn out a lot. Uh, it's a lot grayer, as we can all see. You guys can see watching on TV. It has a lot less grip. We're lifting quite a lot in turns three and four, at least in the Xfinity car. You're lifting a lot out of the gas already. Um, I I have got to imagine, like I said, in another few years, it's going to have so much character and be so worn out that you probably could run anywhere on the track. I don't. I've never liked them spraying PJ one down. I don't know how that's going to affect the future of that grip up in that upper level that they've sprayed all that stuff down. I personally have always felt that they should just leave the track surfaces alone and let us race on them. And the fans and everyone have to understand when they repave a track, it's going to suck the first couple of years. Usually it just yeah. is. But then you know what? The next like 10 years after that, it's going to be pretty phenomenal. I mean, look at Kansas. Yeah, good Kansas point. is like amazing and so much fun to race at from a driver's standpoint. And the races have been so awesome to watch the last several years since it started to wear out. Yeah, so I remember the first I, couple of Kansas races 10 years ago were after the repave were sketchy as hell. They were setting mm -hmm. records for cautions then too, like they are at Texas now. Yeah, so it, it is. It's well, everyone's so fast and you're so on edge yeah. that one little slip up and you're done you can't pass it makes it because it, it's one groove so it make that it makes it challenging but man if you just wait like kansas is probably one of the best tracks we go to right now i think so as far as 
I agree. All of it goes. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think it would be awesome if Texas was turned into like Atlanta. I just like what I was telling you in the last episode is just because the Atlanta race has been so fun to watch. I think it probably was one of the best cup races to watch the this last one of the whole season. Um, I think it's just, I think fans like to see the close battles. Um, and I think fans like to see when it's like, well, anybody could win, which is that's true. what we and that's why our biggest races and most watched races are Daytona and Talladega. So, and I think Atlanta is like, is going to more people are going to be tuning into that one. Cause it's crazy. So I don't know. Should they turn Texas into Atlanta? Yes. Will they, <laughs> <laughs> will they probably, probably not. Can they fix turns one and two? I guess I could do some kind of like half fix half of the track and only have it paved in one half. That might be nuts with character. I mean, oh, they man. fix spots at like Darlington. They've paved old short tracks, half the track and not others. Send it. See what that does. We try everything else. I, yeah, I <laughs> just fix one and two and don't touch the other half and let's see what happens. I, I do remember being excited when they initially reconfigured Texas in 2017, because for years it was like seen as the sister track to Atlanta or even Charlotte. Like, same banking, same configuration, same length, same distance. And so Texas, they tried something different to give it a little bit of character, a little bit of personality. It just, I don't know. It has not worked. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I can fully commit to Atlanta. Hey, the crowd <laughs> this weekend for the cup race tells me that, hey, maybe they don't need to make this a super speedway to attract an audience. That Dallas, Fort Worth, North Texas, Oklahoma market uh, seems hungry for uh, competitive NASCAR racing these days. And I mean, say what you will, fluky wrecks here and there, a little chaos, what have you. Uh, the race on Sunday was engaging. There was a lot to talk about. It produced more than its fair share of uh, storylines. So I don't know what they'll do to Texas. It's too big of a facility, too built up of an area to completely abandon. But um, I, There's I no way they can completely abandon it. There's no way. Not. Uh, unless, I mean, unless... I haven't been there in a in like two years actually now, but I know actually that's not true. I was there last year not to go to a race. <laughs> last year I actually went to Texas to go see their Christmas lights display. <laughs> I was visiting <laughs> my girlfriend in Dallas, and so I was like, "Hey, let's go drive over to Texas Motor Speedway." She'd never seen it. Uh, I was like, "They got the Christmas lights," and so we went and saw the Christmas lights. But the area around it is very built up now. In many yeah. ways, that's good. It attracts a bigger crowd, mm -hmm. makes it more accessible for fans. But on the negative is now that land is probably as valuable as it's ever been. So I don't know what SMI's bottom line looks like, if they would even consider tearing that place down and selling it, a la what Auto Club Speedway uh, supposedly is doing. That'd be my only concern. But no, I, you got to stay at that facility if at all possible. I would I would just reconfigure one and two and, and see what happens. But I don't know. We'll see. You're right. Yeah. It may get better. It, it's a perfect location. I mean, everything has yeah. built up around there. When I first went there as a kid and raced, there was nothing there. But yeah. now, hey, man, there's a Bucky's. There's a Whataburger. They got it all. They got, hell, they got an In-N-Out <laughs> there in Texas. Yeah, they, They've got an In-N-Out burger across the street. Across what, the street. What the heck is going need, on? You don't need anything else. It's done, man. They're good. Yeah. They can't leave. They just, um, you know, yeah, I think they're doing a fine job. I, I don't know. I don't really don't think the track surface is that bad. Like you said, it makes so much crazy wrecks because it's so difficult to race on that there's so much chaos that fans also like the chaos. That's chaos why we have, sells. Yeah, that's why we have street races. That's why we have dirt races. That's why we, we've done the Roval. Like it's to create chaos. It's for it's it's about entertainment and um, fans like the drama of the stories and the 
Kyle Bush wrecking and Kyle Larson wrecking. And now the playoff, the playoff problems that that creates for both those teams. Like eh, eh, those are, I mean, fans love that stuff. It's drama, man. Remember the tagline from TNT? TNT knows drama and NASCAR was on there. You know why? Because the drama, man, the the drama, there there you go. (laughs) Exactly right. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit more about just 2024 schedule rumors in general, because as of the week we're recording this, uh, the schedule's still not out. Uh, details have been trickling out here and there, but we still don't know. We don't know everything um, at this point. Are there any tracks, Brennan, realistically? Uh, and I'm going to ask uh, Chase Briscoe when he joins us in a few minutes the same question. Are there any tracks uh, that you would like to see on the schedule next year that are at least realistic? Okay, realistic. Dang it. <laughs> you got me off. You took it right out from, I'm you sorry. Took it away from me. I'm sorry. I'm stifling um, your creativity. I apologize. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of talks about Montreal, which anytime you get to go to an F1 track, it's cool. Yeah. I know they've ra- we've raced there before in the past. I never got to. The, I think like one of my first years in Xfinity um, was like one of the first years or maybe it had been two years that it had been off the schedule. Yeah, it was at right that after point, they left so. probably, yeah. Yeah, so I missed getting to do that, which would be really cool. Also, I've never been to Canada. Uh, I'd love to go there. So, um, and I just like, you know, I'm an F1 fan. I'm a motorsports fan. A lot of history there. Like to like to be able to race on that track. Um, I think that would be really cool experience. And I think it's a great experience for all the drivers too. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't know. I mean, I'm very curious to see what the heck we're going to do with the L.A. date being gone. I mean, I know they still have the clash situation in L.A. because that's still I don't know if there's a, I think this is the last year of that, right? I think it's the last year of the original deal. I think it was a three year yeah. deal they initially announced. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that goes or if we're going to try to fill a date in somewhere in L.A. other than the clash. I don't know. I don't even know if it's possible. Um, uh, yeah. I think the track's still there. They haven't, <laughs> haven't started tearing anything down. They haven't done nothing. So I don't know who owns the land technically now, but yeah, it's still there as far as I know. I don't think much has been done to Auto Club Speedway th- this year. Yeah, Sit, let's run let's it back. Go back. Run it back. This will be like the Please. third. Or, this will be like the third or fourth <laughs> year in a row where it's been billed as the final race on the yeah, uh, normal Auto Club. Um, I I really love that that track. I don't. It's a think good track. The next. It's a great. The, the next gen. I think breathed new life into that track, especially. I mean, I'm sure it was fun to race as a driver before then. The old mm-hmm. worn out surface, wide sweeping turns, but it wasn't as much fun to watch until the last couple of years. Yeah, that's for. It was always fun for me. I always loved going there, but every year I went back, I felt like the track got better and the yeah. racing got be- got better. And then like last year, it was nuts because we were in a blizzard and. It, I mean, it wasn't really like a great send off for like such an awesome historic facility. So I don't know. I That's probably too much of an ask. I, I would love to see another street race somewhere else just for my own selfish reasons, although I don't think it's going to happen. But maybe in the future, that would be cool at another city um, because I think it was very successful in Chicago. Um, I think. I personally, I've told you this before, it's probably not realistic for next year, but they did fix North Wilkesboro and that has opened up a lot of doors for a lot of other tracks. I really want them to fix Pikes uh, Pikes Peak. Yeah. I think we should go there. I think there's a lot of fans in Colorado and in for that sure. whole area that have to travel so far because there's no races. If you like look at our map, there's just like a giant block in like the middle of the country where there's no there's nowhere to go. I'm like, if we open 
uh, Pike's place, Pike's peak, Pike's place and the coffee. Apparently um, <laughs> if we open that track back up, it still has like a big stance, kind of like how Nashville had just in the middle. Like I hear the track surface is, is pretty decent. I think it's cool. I mean, I think we yeah. should do fix the track and go back there. I think it would be insane, but it's an untapped I mean, market right now for sure. I'm, I'm off. I'm all, I agree with you there. I think it would be awesome. Um, but I don't think we're going to get anything too much too it sounds crazy. Like I mean, Montreal I is of- like the, sorry, it sounds like Montreal is like the, the sticking point. I think NASCAR is really mm-hmm. trying to make that happen. But if for some reason it doesn't schedule conflicts, you've got to work with the city. It's difficult. If that doesn't work out, then yeah, we may not get many, you know, huge, bold, new things this time around. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I'm hearing less red courses. Um, I'm hearing less road courses. Obviously, the Indy Roval's gone. Yeah, uh, I think the Charlotte Roval's gone. So there's two oh. races gone. I think. Um, I think they're all going back to the Oval. Um, so there's two of them gone. What else is there? I'm hearing there's another road course that we may not be going to. Um, is Coda back? I hope Coda stays for another year. I think Coda is staying, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't think but anyone's a hundred percent sure on anything. I don't right think now. anyone's. Under, I think Coda's <laughs> staying. I think like Watkins Glen, Sonoma, obviously they got it. Yeah, they are. Well, they are staying. Oh, but, Road um, America is off. We know Road America won't have any races next year, apparently, um, which kind of stinks. I think. But, yeah, it's my favorite. It's my yeah. favorite track, dude. Even after the repaved, it was so crazy because it was like the slickest track I've ever been on in my life, and yeah. I have never been felt so crazy qualifying a car like you get 20 minutes of practice you got to qualify i remember leaving pit road downshifting in the first corner like not even going fast because it's all new paved so i'm trying to check it out and literally dr- driving almost straight off the track i was like holy <laughs> cow they were not kidding about how slick this place was and i've had that was like one of the most fun races i had uh, of the year and of course i love Watkins Glen too that was also a lot of fun for me so um, that's, I think road America, I think, I think everyone should be going there. I think it's one of the best tracks. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, this is a, hopefully this is a temporary departure. My, uh, mm-hmm. one track that I honestly was, I was honestly bummed to see it go. And this is very much a hot topic or a hot take, but Bristol dirt. Uh, I wanted to see a dirt race on the schedule next year. It doesn't have to be Bristol. I would be, I would actually probably prefer if it was a place like Eldora, Knoxville scares me a little bit after that truck race a couple of years back. Um, but yeah. I don't know. The cup cars at least and the trucks have both proven that they can put on good, compelling dirt shows. I know it's not to the hardcore dirt fan or dirt racer. It probably doesn't look and feel exactly the same, but it looked like a real dirt race, especially this year, two, three grooves. And Hey, Christopher Bell, a dirt guy won that race. Like to me, that's a feather in its cap. That's a feather in NASCAR's cap that the cup cars were so versatile that they could handle a dirt race as well as they did. I'll be honest. I, I wish there was, and I hope, I guess there's still a chance. I hope there's a dirt track in the future <laughs> on the cup schedule. I think, I think for me, I don't care about the dirt race. I think they're GT three cars. They have a diffuser for crying out loud. I like, I can take that off. It it seems easy enough. Apparently it doesn't do anything. If you listen to Justin Haley talk on on Dale Jr.'s podcast, they mean nothing. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, I just don't, I just don't think the new car, the dirt thing works. Um, I think you could kind of do it in an Xfinity car in a truck. Cause it's like racing the street stock basically. Yeah. Um, but even them, even those cars are really not designed to be. No, but that's what makes it so dirt. fun. Like we talk about how like road courses, at least from a viewer's perspective, road courses the last couple of years have, have not been as fun mm. because the cars are too good. Like they're built for road yeah. courses. So like, yeah, for the next gen. Yeah. But the yeah. Xfinity races for the oh, yeah. fans 
fans that only watch cup races should be watching our road course races because holy cow are they that nuts. i agree with that's what i'm that's all i'm saying is for cup it's like mm-hmm. like the xfinity car is arguably the perfect stock car like it, it works yeah. so well or mm-hmm. it works so badly but in a good way at every type of track it seems that it, it produces the best racing consistently but the cup car that's what i'm saying is the cup car is best when it's out of its element a little bit and that's where the dirt i think kind of fits in that, that maybe that's just me i, I don't know Maybe it is just you, Eric. It's just me. I'm the dirt guy now. Who would have thought? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I. It is crazy. I mean, less road courses now. Yeah, I guess I understand why they do that for the Cup side, but for the Xfinity, I'm just like, no, man. More road courses. Like, sure. I hope we're still going to Portland. I love that yeah. track. I lost brakes this year. I'd like redemption if I'm racing Xfinity again full time next year. I want. You know, I loved going to go into all of these these tracks dude like they're they're so much fun so i don't know i can tell you indy road is definitely a plus that that's going <clears throat> it's just like not a real road course it's 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 rough yeah um, i've not heard good things from drivers the oval is the oval is so historic like if the fans think the race is boring like okay i get it we'll just let's work on the package i thought the package we had in the Xfinity car, at least before we went to the road course where we were like pretty slowed down and we we're like in big single packs. And like, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty fun to watch. So like, I don't, I don't know. I'm hoping we go in that direction since it's going to be an oval again. Um, and I feel like it means more when you win on the oval than it does in the road. And some people might want to be like, well, it's still indie, but I'm like, it's not, it's not the same. No, it is. It's definitely it doesn't even different. feel the same. Like it was my first time running the indie road course this year. Um, I had only ran the oval until then. And I can just tell you, like, I'm just like, don't even feel like I'm at Indianapolis. Hmm. Don't even feel you, you just, you don't even feel like you're there. Um, so, um, I'm excited for that to be back. For um, sure. You Sam. Um, hopefully we get was, a, yeah, sorry. Happens. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we get, a some confirmation before too long. I know for me, it's, I just feel like NASCAR's got a lot on their plate. They got a TV deal they're negotiating. They got to extend the charter agreement or renegotiate that. They got to figure out the TV deal or, the, or I'm sorry, the schedule for next year. I just feel like they've they've kind of dragged all these things out as long as they possibly can be dragged out. And now we're sort of yeah. scrambling here at the end of the season. It's it's a little frustrating. I feel for fans, especially well, folks in the industry who have to plan their travel around every race. Yeah. They travel every week. That's that's Sponsored. first and foremost sponsors multiple sponsors and you're like even fans race fans travel from out of state they got to plan months in advance their their weekends when they can take time off Mm -hmm. it's like it's just everything you know i know that they've waited until september even i think october a couple times in the past to release the schedule before but it shouldn't be the norm and right now it just it doesn't even seem like the schedule release is even on the horizon i keep seeing bob pockers push it out more and more weeks and it's like dang if if even he doesn't know when it's coming out then nobody knows when it's coming out that's concerning so yeah um there's got to only be a couple of races blocking it that they just are i'm sure unsure about and it's got to be close but hopefully. um yeah hopefully we get to know know what that know what that is soon yeah absolutely brennan uh this has been fun but uh I don't know if you've seen on social media the past uh, few days all the Talladega Knights, uh, Stuart Haas racing with Briscoe and Priest. Ryan Priest absolutely ate that performance in the little video they released. Um, but uh, I think we've got the chance to speak to one of the stars of this Talladega Knights reboot uh, with Chase Briscoe. Should we bring him in? Bring him in. 
We are now joined by Chase Briscoe, uh, or should I say Cal Naughton Jr. Chase, oh my gosh, y'all have gone all out for this uh, promotion. I freaking love it, dude. How you doing? Yeah, I've uh, I've been good. I hope you've been good too. It's been a lot of fun, you know, doing all the Talladega Night stuff. Uh, I'm a big fan of the movie personally. So I've known about this uh, for a couple months now and, and been hard to honestly keep it all in, but it's been a lot of fun to... Uh, you know, film all the content that we have and then, you know, truthfully see the fan response. I knew that the fans were going to be into it, but I didn't think it was going to blow up as much as it did. So, yeah, I'm super excited for this weekend just kind of see how much like the actual ad track experience is. Yeah, absolutely. No, that movie, I mean, it came out like 15, 17, 18 years ago now, but I feel like it still has a hold on like mainstream culture like it's still very much all the time still yeah yeah it's it's a, it's a staple on like you know free form or whatever channels there are these days yeah um that's awesome i have to ask uh how did you keep a straight face when ryan priest was doing like this whole thing in the video because i lost i lost it yeah and uh i i, I was chuckling the first couple of times he he practiced a few times and i got kind of my laughs out early uh but yeah he he nailed it he had perfect form on that part it was pretty impressive honestly how good he was that i don't know if he cooks or something in real life but he definitely had it he had it nailed in for sure i just love it when you know folks who are obviously not actors like commit <laughs> to an acting role and so yeah y'all were great that was fantastic yeah um so are we gonna get like are there any extra special team orders this weekend to like stick together just so you guess at least can at least get that photo or TV gets the second on TV to like mention you two, you know, shaking and bacon? Yeah, no no specific team orders, but it is funny, you know, our our cars obviously have been extremely fast at the super speedways. So uh, you know, I think at Daytona at one point we were running first, second, third, and fifth. So um, you know, we were on the pole, I think air qualified third, like, so there's a real possibility that we're all up front. And I was joking with Ryan earlier today. I was like, man, there's, there's a real possibility. Like me and you both qualify on the front row together <laughs> and, and like, hey. what a story that would be. So yeah, it'd be pretty cool to, uh, to see Ricky Bobby and Cal Naughton Jr. Lead the field of green in an actual cup race at Talladega. Yeah. It's just awesome. Y'all got the paint schemes, the the sponsors, everyone's on board. Uh, it, it it's pretty cool to see something like that fully come together. Um, well, Chase, I, I do want to talk a little bit of, of I guess, real racing. I guess we're, we're talking about real racing, but stuff that's already happened, I suppose. Uh, third year in the Cup Series. I guess I first want to just ask you, where do you feel you've um, improved or evolved the most as a race car driver these first few years? Yeah, I mean, for sure, coming into the Cup Series, uh, you know, everybody says you're never ready, and, and that's the truth. You know, the, that leap from you know, the truck garage and the Xfinity garage, you know, there's, there's not a huge difference when you go over to the Xfinity side, but that leap from, you know, the Xfinity garage, to the cup garage, it's like swimming in the three foot pool to jumping into the ocean. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Every single person is really, really good. You know, you think every single driver in the field has won at every single level they've ever been in. Um, you know, they really are the best. And just from a, a competition side, you know, I've never had a run so hard to, to literally run 22nd, for example. You know, just it's so tense the whole time. And, you know, you're running 500-mile races, 400-mile races. I mean, even the Coke 600, you run 600 miles of qualifying laps. I mean, there's just no – there's no really give and take anymore like there used to be. Uh, you know, you don't have to kind of nurse your car to the end. You just literally run as hard as you can every single lap because track position is so important. So – you know, all those things were a lot to learn. And, and even just the racecraft, you know, how good guys are, where they put their car and taking your airway and things like that were just things that, 
you know, in the Xfinity series, I was just really naive, naive to truthfully, um, you know, when those guys would come and race, you know, you just didn't learn all the tricks because you're only racing one guy and then you all of a sudden start racing 35 of them and they're all just incredible race car drivers. So I think for me, the biggest thing I learned is just, you know, you're not always going to have a race winning car, especially on the cup side, you know, the Xfinity side, you could take a 10th place car and sometimes you could honestly win with it or, or run second or third with it. If, if you did everything right, we're on the cup side. It just takes time to, to realize that, Hey, if you have a 10th place car that day. Just try to truthfully run eighth with it. And if you can run eighth, that's a really good day just because you're not going to take a 10th place car and win in the cup series. And that's something that, you know, especially I would say at the, the first half of last season, I really struggled with, you know, there's a, a couple of races where I crashed out where I was just pushing too hard and, that's something I feel like I, I've tried to do a lot better at is just taking kind of what it'll give me. And, you know, truthfully, last year, our playoff run, I felt like was a lot of that. Like I just if we had a 12th place car, I would try to run 10th with it. If we had a, you know, a 15th place car that day, just try to run 13th with it instead of crashing out or running 25th or whatever it is. And I feel like the results have, have came a lot easier um you know at least through last year's playoffs this year the results haven't came easy at all so um it's been a struggle for sure um but yeah just how much it goes into the cup series and, and getting those results i think is the biggest thing i've learned in these first three years and just having mistakes you know like i said the xfinity side you can speed on pit road things like that and you're going to drive right back to the field but in the cup series unless you're one or two guys uh, on that given weekend you're normally not going to be able to make a mistake yeah, you mentioned last year's playoffs. I feel like you had a patent almost on you know, getting the most out of out of a day. I lost count of how many times you guys snuck up into the top five, top ten out of nowhere in the, in the closing laps. Um, but uh, you did mention this season; it has been, I, I know, a challenge. Uh, you are fresh off a of top ten at Texas, so that was great to see. So, how would you grade or judge your team's overall performance this year? Yeah, it's been weird. You know, I've never in my career had a season where, you know, you either run top five, top 10, battling for the win, or you're 30th or worse. Like, we have been nowhere in between. Like, we don't have those 15th place days. It seems like we literally are in the top 10 or we're 31st. Um, so that's been a challenge. But for us, you know, when when we're, when we've been good, I feel like we've been really good. But when we've been bad, we've been really bad. So I'm um, just trying to kind of figure out the the highs and the lows and try to just be more consistent um, week in and week out. And, you know, for us, we started the season, we had, you know, uh, not so great runs, but then we got on a streak there three weeks in a row where we ran the top five and we're leading a lot of laps. And then we went like four months with not even a top 10. So, um, you know, for us a couple of months ago, we, we changed crew chiefs and that was a huge, um, you know, thing to do in the middle of the season. Um, you know, my, my new crew chief, Richard Boswell, essentially was coming in, you know, 50 something weeks behind what all these other, you know, next gen crew chiefs have, have been able to learn and know about the car. And I feel like just now these last three weeks, you know, we've finally been having speed. We've been way faster, you know, unloading in practice. We haven't been able to qualify, but our racing and the actual race itself, our car has been really good. You know, this past weekend, I felt like we were, a top three car and we got damaged with, you know, the second to last restart and kind of killed our day and we ran 10th. So, you know, for us to be disappointed with a 10th place with how our season's gone, I think shows the level of how much we've been improving. We just haven't been able to show our improvement because we haven't been able to execute, like I was saying earlier. So once we put all the pieces together, I feel like we're going to be in a really good place. Um, you know, looking back on it, I'm glad we kind of made the switch when we did, just because I think it's going to give us a great opportunity now going into next season to kind of, 
hopefully start the season where we need to be. We're not going to be starting behind and going through this kind of two, three month building process um, because we got it out of the way this year. That's a great point. And, you know, in this case, you and Richard Boswell, you guys have had success together back in the Xfinity series. Does that familiarity, uh, I don't know, make that building process easier between you two? Um, I think yes and no. Um, you know, I think we both are confident in each other. We both know what we're capable of. Um, but at the same time, it is hard because I feel like we both like expected to win right off the bat, just because in the Xfinity series, we were able to have so much success. And, you know, that's the one thing I think that was hard for Richard truthfully was just, I kind of had to drill into his head those first four or five weeks of how hard cup racing is. You know, he didn't understand, well, why were we running 10th this run? And then we go to the back and we can't get back up there. And I'm like, look, that's just how hard cup racing is. And I think he's understood that finally now, but I think it's good and bad, you know, for us to to come together, you know, just because we do hold ourselves to such a high standard, you know, that's the one thing I think is hard when it is the cup series and just how the results are going to come. You know, you're going to have really good weeks. You're going to have really bad weeks and just trying to figure out how to manage those. And, you know, Richard is extremely competitive. So trying to, you know, keep him kind of calm down on those bad weeks, but then also appreciate the good weeks has been kind of the biggest, I feel like challenge for us, but from a car standpoint, you know, he's done an incredible job. You know, I just told him this past weekend, that's the closest car I've ever had in this next gen area to what we used to have in an Xfinity car as far as how it drove. And I felt like our results showed that. So um, I feel like we're in a really good spot right now. And I really do feel like we're going to be um, running up front a lot more these last six, seven weeks. And and like I said, hopefully next year we can really start off strong. That's great. And yeah, you know, I we hear about, you know, with the next gen teams are put in a much tighter box as to what they can do, what can they, they can really affect on the cars. So like, you know, it's not, hasn't just been the 14, but all of Stuart Haas racing people, I think I've noticed have, have not run as well this year as they have in years past. So, um, what is it like, what overall or where does Stuart Haas need to improve specifically? Is it all just like simulator stuff you think, or is there anything else that, uh, you guys can do to find consistent speed again? Yeah, I think it's a little bit everywhere, right? Like it, it's not just all going to come in one area, you know, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of different areas where you can find a little bit and if you just find a little bit and everywhere well then it all adds up and you know i think at the beginning of the year you know truthfully we were quick to point the finger and and talk about you know how ford just struggle in general but you know truthfully rfk front row they figured it out so you know once we quit pointing the finger and was like hey we just need to get to work i feel like our results have improved a lot over the last month or two and um you know i think the biggest thing for us is just you know, like you were saying, trying to become more consistent, you know, we go some weeks and all four of us are extremely fast. Um, you know, that like the first race at Martinsville this year, we were all four, like unbelievable. And then we yeah. go to Mount and only one of us is good. And that's, that's the one thing I think for us as a company is, you know, we always have like that one and a half car or one or two cars that run up front, but then the other two are in the back and just trying to, to become more consistent across kind of all of playing fields. And that's one thing I think these last two or three weeks, um, you know, at least like inside the company, we all, we feel like all four cars have been way faster and way closer to each other. And I feel like that just comes from us as an organization being more open between each other and um, really understanding like, Hey, we are struggling right now. And, you know, the, the whole thing in the past where kind of all four cars kind of worked independently, like that just doesn't work anymore in the next gen era with how everything is so tight. Like you were saying of a box that you're in. So I feel like the more we've opened up as a company to each other and 
you know, just tried to to figure out, hey, look, like we're not in the playoffs. Um, we were, we were obviously behind. We need to all four work together and just try to go to the racetrack and learn as much as we can. I feel like that's when we've really seen a difference. And like I said, this past weekend, I thought, you know, through really all four of our cars were pretty fast for a mile and a half standpoint. So hopefully we can just continue to do that these next six, seven weeks. Yeah, it's been good to see that progress. My last few questions are uh, kind of 2024 focused. Has there been, do you think there's any extra like pressure on yourself, even though you are, I guess, the youngest driver on the team and still probably will be uh, potentially going into next year? Is there any pressure to take on like a greater leadership role now that you got Kevin Harvick stepping away and and a, a new driver taking his place? Yeah, I think for sure, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest by age, but I'm the oldest when it comes to how long I've been here. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been the company since 2018, um, you know, I've, I'll be in the cup side since 2021. So, you know, it's, it's weird truthfully to think about, you know, for me, I came into a really good spot where, you know, I was learning under Kevin Harvick, who's obviously a first ballot hall of famer, literally has the answer to every question you could ever ask. And then also you have Eric Almarola, who's been there for 15 years in the cup series and, and same thing. I bounce a ton of stuff off of him. And, you know, I've had these two guys that were always like, like I said, they had the answer to every question I could ever ask. Then I also always had, you know, Cole Custer, who was similar in age with me, um, both very low experience that we could bounce things off of. And it's going to be weird now not having that guy I can call and go to. Um, and, I think, you know, these last two, three years, I've seen how Kevin um, has obviously led the company and, and taken charge and kind of that leadership role. And that's something that, um, you know, I don't think you like raise your hand and say, hey, I'm going to be the leader. I think it comes down to the results on the racetrack. And, you know, there's a reason that Kevin's been the leader of this place. And it's because he's ran the best every single week. And that's kind of what I'm striving to be is I want to be that lead car. When people think of Stuart Haas racing, they think of, of the 14 car and how they're always kind of the, the class of the field. So um, I think we're fully capable of doing that. You know, we did that, I would say 50% of the season last year, I felt like it was always me or Kevin kind of leading the the ship in a sense. So now with Kevin gone, you know, it obviously is going to take me stepping up and, and performing at a way higher level. Um, but that's something I'm excited for and ready for the challenge. Just a matter of, of trying to execute that. What was your reaction uh, when Josh Berry was announced as the next driver of the four? Yeah, I was I was happy for Josh. You know, I feel like Josh is very similar to me. Like if you look at how we grew up and we don't come from money or anything. So the fact that it kind of just another hardworking guy that was um, just kind of got here without money. Uh, I like that kind of stuff. So um, I think it's going to be really good. You know, I, I've said time and time again, like you, you can't replace Kevin Harvick. Like it's just, it's literally impossible to replace him. But I do think that, you know, Kevin did have a lot of say in kind of who to, to look to, to try to replace him. And um, Rodney is super high on Josh Berry. They have the same background. You know, Josh does have a little bit of, I feel like that Kevin Harvick, same, same style in him. Um, and just honestly seeing how excited Rodney is to work with Josh and just that late model background, I think they're going to be really good together. So yeah, I'm excited for for Josh to come on board. Um, it'll be fun to, to work with a new guy. I feel like I've been working with new teammates like the last three years now. So uh, it'll be fun to, to add another one to the list. I know Josh a little bit, but I haven't worked with him a whole lot. So um, looking forward to getting to know him better and obviously work with him. I think he'll bring a lot to the table. Chase, my last question for you is still 2024 related, but lately we've seen all these rumors and 
uh, fans throwing out their own theories, things swirling about the schedule. What is one track, a realistic track, that you would like to see on next year's schedule? Yeah, for mine, that would be easy. It'd be Iowa Speedway. Uh, I, that is by far my favorite racetrack. Nice. Um, from a pavement standpoint. You know, the other one I would love to do is Eldora. I don't know how realistic that is, but I would love for Eldora and Iowa. I think those are both, you know, realistic places in a sense we've raced both of those in, in national series. So, you know, for me, I think I think we have to have a dirt race. Um, you know, I'm probably on on the small side of that scale. Um, but you know, to me, you know, growing up, all all the drivers in the field are either dirt guys, the road course guys, or the short track guys. And and as the the best drivers, um, you know, we are challenged at every single discipline. We have super speedways, mile and a half, short tracks, we have road courses. So why would we not have a dirt track too? Um, you know, I don't think we need language. Yeah. I think I definitely don't think we need more than one, but I do think we need at least one. And plus I just think it's good for motorsports in general, um, to, you know, have that crossover. You know, I think you've seen NASCAR honestly grow the more they've embraced the dirt stuff. And obviously the dirt stuff has embraced, you know, the NASCAR guys coming back down more. So I think we need to have a dirt race. I think Eldora is the perfect racetrack for it. Um, and then Iowa Speedway, I think would be, um, a phenomenal racetrack, especially for the next gen car. So I'm all for that. I think we need to do it uh, the week of the Knoxville Nationals on Sunday. Uh, you have the Knoxville Nationals Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the Cup race on Sunday. There you go. All right, now you, you've got you've got like a plan outlined for that. That's yeah. that's not bad. I like it. Iowa and uh, I guess Ohio, two states that yeah, there's no Cup race in Ohio right now at all. So in Ohio is all you got. Yeah. So uh, absolutely, those are two I think gaps on the calendar that that absolutely should be filled in. And I'm with you on dirt track. Um, how did you feel about Bristol dirt being, uh, I guess, dropped from the schedule? Yeah, I, I was bummed. You know, obviously I've been in, in contention to win the, that race the last two years. So um, you know, just like I said, I want to have a dirt race. Obviously, selfishly, I think I can go there and win. But I, I do think it's good for the sport, and just I feel like it's it's only fair. But um, yeah. I was bummed to see Bristol leave, you know, truthfully, I thought the Bristol race the last two years has been one of the best races on the schedule. Um, you know, you go back and watch like the end of stage two this year's Bristol race. I mean, the top five, we were literally sliding each other every lap, every corner. It was unbelievable for my seat. So um, I don't know if the concrete or the pavement or whatever it is without dirt there um, has put on that good of a race as the dirt race has. So I don't know. I, I definitely want to have a dirt race, but, I was bummed to see it leave Bristol, but like I said, I, I think it needs to be an actual dirt track, but um, if we're going to do it somewhere that, that they're going to throw dirt on, I don't think Bristol is a bad idea. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you there. I, I love having a dirt track. Would prefer a purpose-built dirt track because I love traditional Bristol, even with the next gen. I love it. Oh my goodness. What is, it's a cougar, never, in the, a cougar in the Zoom call. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, I got lost my train of thought right there, but I, I think that's that about wraps it up. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, the 2024 schedule eventually. Um, we're yeah. all on our toes. But Chase, uh, we really appreciate you joining us on Power Hour. Uh, shake and bake this weekend. Car looks great. I love the redesigned Stuart Haas logo behind you. You guys yeah, are doing a great job. Yeah, we're all in for sure. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Once again, a huge thank you to Chase Briscoe, uh, Stuart Haas Racing, even Ryan Priest snuck in there with a little cameo. Um, before we get to our the fan question segment, Brennan, I want to give another shout out to CircleBDieCast.com. Uh, again, use code OOTG at CircleBDieCast.com to get free shipping on orders over $30. And 
I have to imagine if they're not out there already, they will be soon. The uh, Talladega Knights uh, paint schemes or die casts for both uh, Priest and Briscoe. I'm sure those will be available at some point. Uh, consider checking them out on circlebdiecast.com. Uh, Brennan, I picked out a couple of users who submitted a couple of very interesting, I think very loaded fan questions <laughs> on our most recent episode. Um, this one, I think, really can only be answered by you. I think it's directly uh, addressing you. It's from Mid-South Cup Series, and they asked, what is it like uh, in the life of a racer being away from home so frequently, negotiating deals with teams and sponsors, making friends on track, being uh, interacting with the fans, and getting good results? Basically, I think, Brennan, what Mid-South Cup Series is asking is, what is it like <laughs> to be a freaking race car driver? Explain it to us non-drivers. Um. Yeah. Well, it's very challenging. It's very, very hard. Um, but you love it so much, um, that it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even feel like it's as hard as it actually is. Right. I mean, I think sometimes I look back on the things that I've done so far to this point in my career and the things that I'm still trying to do and trying to accomplish. And I think, you know, how difficult it is, but in those moments when you're, when you're having to do the things that you need to do, um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. It's just like this, the best thing in the world. Um, and when you strap down in the race car for the weekend, um, and you pull out on the track for the first time, nothing you had to do to get to that moment even feels like it was anything right. It, it's, uh, everything changes the second you get to strap into that car. So yeah, it's difficult being away from home. Um, you know, I just got back today to film this episode with Eric um, and I have been gone since last Thursday. I, I've been away from home for almost a week through the entire Texas weekend. And then I went and shot. I've shot. I got to do my acting debut, kind of. I've done some other stuff, but I, I saw, got to. Yeah. What was it? I saw that on your, uh, I think it was on your Instagram. I saw a picture. Of yeah. You, you were acting. Yeah. I'm I'm acting in a pilot that um, was being filmed um, in, in in Bayfield, Wisconsin. It's in, it's uh, Bayfield uh, is the name of the show. And, um, I got to do it with my good buddy, Daryl Mott, um, and a bunch of other friends. Brock was there, new people that I'd met, um, that, that, uh, that was really cool. You know, I love movies. All many of my fans and followers know how, how passionate I am about film. Um, so this was a little bit of a, a dream, you know, like That's I didn't cool. actually play a real character and, uh, not like play myself in some show or anything like that. That's some <laughs> fun stuff that I've done. Um, but this was a, a real character with real lines and, uh, yeah, that was, it was really, really, really neat. So, um, you know, you get opportunities to do other stuff and you got to do that around this racing schedule and stuff like that too. And it's, it's, it's pretty challenging. Um, it's hard, but I've got a good support system. Lindsay's been with me for a really long time. She's always supported me, always had my back. My dad, um, my cousin Joe, my sister, all continuing to motivate you on those days when they're when they're difficult. So I, I've got good family members, good people around me. I got a lot of faith. That's helped. Um, but as a race car driver, it's not just about driving the car. You know, I've got to be a salesman. I've got to um, work with sponsors. I got to help my uh, other supporters and people work. Um, whether it's business to business deals at the track, I got to talk to other team owners, you know, I'm trying to find a seat right now, like you're working all that stuff, as well as having the pressures of needing to execute every single time you get in the race car and get the results. And, and it is difficult. Um, I think it's uh, one of the most difficult things to do is to is to stay focused mentally for an entire, you know, NASCAR season, so many races, so long. Yeah. 
and you got all this other stuff you got to keep in the air at the same time to make it work. It's, it's crazy difficult. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a seven day a week job from what I can tell in many cases. Like there's yeah. always, there's something every day at the very least that's that's pulling at you that you got to work on even if you're not on track or in the sim yeah. or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I'm in the simulator tomorrow and I just got go. home. Yeah, that <laughs> just, it never stops. Nope. Um, it's not like I'm dating Taylor Swift or anything like Travis Kelsey. I don't have to have security outside of the suite <laughs> protecting everybody or anything like that. So you saw that too. <laughs> I was wondering, my whole feed on social media, TikTok, whatever, has just been Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. I don't know how that happens. I don't know. I'm getting worn out by the Swifties just making oh TikToks and Instagram and Barstool's talking about it and ESPN's talking about it. I'm like, oh man. One of my favorite <laughs> clips, I think it was Jeff Burton shared this a few months back. It was like way back when in the Country Music Awards 15 years ago, like Jeff Burton and Taylor Swift were on stage together, like introducing a, a category. And looking back at it now, knowing just how massive Taylor Swift is, in the culture yeah. uh to see her on stage with jeff burton <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just funny. such a such it's a awesome though it is it hey is. everyone who's a nascar fan knows who jeff burton is though That's and true. everyone who's like into music knows taylor swift same hey. same i remember having same a substitute same. teacher one day in middle school and i wore my matt kenseth daytona 500 champion t-shirt into class and she stopped me pulled me aside i thought i was in trouble and no she just wanted to explain to me that uh she liked my shirt Wanted to confirm that I was a true fan, not some bandwagoner. And she went on about how she was the biggest Jeff Burton fan in her neighborhood or something like that. And I thought, <laughs> wow, all right. A Jeff Burton fan in the flesh. They, they are, There we go. That's awesome. That, um, that is awesome. Random aside. But that was a good answer, Brian. And you kept that about as like, I don't know. You, you explained what it's like to be a race car driver as detailed, mm -hmm. but also as efficiently as I think you possibly could. Just like, it was a good response yeah. to what was a very big um, question. Uh, we have one other, actually a couple other questions from a different user. Uh, Alicia on uh, on our last episode asked a few questions. I'm going to hit us with them rapid fire here. Brennan, first one is cats or dogs? I mean, I've got both, right? So oh. it's hard. Um got Turbo. He's a Belgian Malinois. He's with my dad now. Um, he's an old man. He's 13 years old. He needs a lot of attention and a lot of medication, but <laughs> he's doing, he's doing fine. And I, I love him to death. And I, I also have a cat uh, named Seek. Um, she is crazy and meows a lot. Um, oh. Even though she has plenty of food, she gets treats, she gets it all. She gets, we play with her. I think she just doesn't like it when we leave like it's, most cats and we enough. leave a lot because i'm racing you know but she's got some friends we got some people come over and check on her if we're gone for too long but yeah love love them to death a big big animal guy i'm more um, of a dog person i have to say uh but cats mm -hmm. are nice you you strike me as more of a cat person brennan like i feel like dog like <laughs> dogs are so energetic and crazy you strike me as very laid <clears> back <throat> and just kind of chill i feel like that that vibes yeah. with a cat more listen the cat loves me the cat person like is probably the only animal that's loved me as much as any other animal is this cat that i that we have so um she literally like sleeps on my chest like every night Aww. um so you know and she makes me a million degrees especially in the summertime i'm like can you please like do you have mm. to be this close to me you don't go over there they just it's don't understand happening. Yeah. No, they, they just want to sweat it out with you, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, so no, I, I mean, you know, I love my dog, love the cat, 
but it is it is what it is. Is it's because I wear all black. That's why you think I'm a cat man, huh? No, it's just you just got that laid back, <laughs> kind of just very, very chill, mellow mm. vibe. I never feel like I see you two up or two down. You're just kind of mm. on to the next just, thing. That's just getting older. Okay. <laughs> you just know you just I'm just like learning the way. Mm. You know, this is the way. You must yep. stay just calm the whole time and then you'll solve the problems and and you'll get through, you know, you'll get through all of it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Alicia asked another question, pancakes or waffles? Yeah, this is a crazy interesting question. And I have a wild (laughs) answer to this. (laughs) How deep can it be? (laughs) No, no. So hear me out. Pancakes in warm weather times, waffles in cold weather times. And here's why. A waffle is like is a heavier item to me than a pancake. Like a pancake's a little lighter, a little fluffier. So it's like hot out. Like, you know, you don't, you know, you go, you go the pancake route. Now, if it's wintertime, it's cold outside. Picture this, you got like a big jacket on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where you get your waffles, but I imagine in my head that mine there's like a fireplace ripping, you know, and you've got like a nice Belgian waffle with the with the you know the big squares and you're you got the butter and you're filling it up and it's like you know who knows is santa gonna walk by i he could at any moment i never considered pancakes i never considered pancakes and waffles being like seasonal like that Um, it's seasonal for me i it's hard to pick i go waffles like you said though they have to have the big squares they can't be like those little i don't even like a like an ego waffle a frozen waffle sometimes they're a little too like small and i know you need to be like a thick fluffy waffle with those little compartments all over it to hold my syrup my butter everything else i want to put on it i'll lean waffles but it's a tough one um, there's got to be a christmas tree in the corner with lights see i don't i don't know that waffles are as christmasy as you're making them out to be i'll be honest no, man <laughs> you feeling it it's not like i'm putting some chicken in the waffles with some slaw and i'm like at disney world eating like a like a chicken slaw waffle thing and even though they're, it's like a thin waffle you know what i mean like it's a different yeah. vibe it's kind of it's they're trying to get in on the pancake route and you can't do it mm. i'm telling you it's seasonal think about it think more think think more about it all right it'll rub off on you we're gonna have chicken and waffles at my next christmas dinner and we'll just see if the <laughs> magic hits um last question from alicia and this one is a little more racing focused um i, I think this is more aimed at you um but she asked, what is it like knowing that random people you don't know cheer for you? Um, yeah, um, that's an interesting question to ask. And it's definitely something I haven't really thought that much about because, you know, as a driver, like I don't, you know, I just try to do the best possible job I can and, and drive the race car. And sometimes you forget that there are people that want you to do well, that want to see you have that victory. Um, and, you know, you're you're just you get so locked in on just like trying to make everybody in your team and your organization get the most out of them and, and run the race car that sometimes I forget about um, that side of things. And and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing to, to say. I think I just view myself as like a normal person just trying to do do something I really love to do. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's a great feeling to know that you have fans, you know, that's, what's really cool about, um, going to Texas, 
um, because I do have a little bit more of a following there because I'm a, a Texan. So, and, you know, getting the big cheer and all that kind of stuff is fun. And, you know, I don't, you know, know all those people, obviously, of course, but having that support um, means a lot, but I, I can't honestly say that I've like thought about like people, there are people out there cheering for me that I don't know that uh, now that you've said something, I will probably think about that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I just think it, I think it's cool. I'm really grateful to have um, the fans and some of the support that I do have. It, it means a lot. Like everybody wants um, to have people on their side and people pulling for, for them. And anytime I sign a card or sign a baseball card that someone has, or see someone has a hero card from when I raced late models, which is true. Mm -hmm. Like people come to me and have hero cards from like 15 years ago. Um, those are really, they're just like cool, special moments, you know? So I appreciate yeah. all of them. I think about, you know, when I was purely just a fan, not all that long ago, I, I thought about a video I uploaded on my YouTube channel, probably more than 10 years ago now. I was probably 14, 15 years old. I posted a video where I took a life-size Matt Kenseth cardboard cutout out in public <laughs> and just sort of filmed some just random BS with it. But I just remember thinking, not, not that long later, a few years later, that I was like, damn, what if Matt Kenseth saw that? What would he think? You know, what would any driver think if they if they saw something like that? Like, if I just think that would be that would be weird. That is weird. Fans of any uh, star athlete performer, whatever the case may be, fans are a little weird. I mean, that's the fan is short for fanatic. I mean, I think that kind of uh, support is is to be expected, and that's it's it's a beautiful thing in many ways mm -hmm. um, that so many fans embrace their fanaticism. Um, I can't speak to getting, I don't get cheered. It is still surreal to me. Anytime I meet people in person that watch my show or that have something nice to say about uh, videos I've created, that always blows my mind. I love making that face-to-face um, -face, uh, connection with people. You can only make so much of a personal connection over the internet like like the way we do and you're speaking to, you know, when you're in mass media and get lots of comments, lots of tweets. Like you can't reply to everyone. You can't you know, interact directly with every single person. But when you get to see someone in person at the track or wherever, I always try to relish those moments in that time because growing up, that's all I ever wanted was more friends, people my age, people in my day-to-day -day life to talk racing with. Like you can go out, I could go to the grocery store right now and probably strike up a conversation with a stranger about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Um, <laughs> but I've never been able to do that about NASCAR. So I always mm. relish those opportunities and it blows my mind that there are people out there that I've never met that uh, enjoy videos, enjoy things I've created and um, are excited or enthusiastic to chat with me about racing at the racetrack or wherever we may be in person. I meet people in random places sometimes. I've run into, I had someone who was my waiter once, uh, just a couple miles from my house uh, a couple of years ago, watched my videos. I was out at dinner with my family and that was, uh, I mean, that was kind of cool. That was a neat, neat experience, a neat uh, connection to make. So, um, those are great questions though. Appreciate them from mid South cup mm -hmm. series and Alicia. Uh, if you want either me or Brennan to answer one of your questions, leave a comment underneath the YouTube version of this show. Or if you have Twitter slash X, uh, you can tweet your questions at us as well. There's a great chance. We will answer it in our next episode of power hour. Uh, Brennan, I think we've done it. I think we've even gone over an hour. This was more powerful wow. than most weeks. <clears throat> yeah. I like it when I get to say power hour in six minutes. <laughs> that's, that's, I love it when we get there, man. I yeah. love to do it. Love just to in time too, because I think I've lost my voice. Mm. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. This Aaron, is what happens when we, go, when we go you over got an choked hour. Up. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're not <laughs> going to be good for the, everyone's going to panic when they don't see the next out of the groove episode. It's going to be, needs to be uploaded in a couple of days. This will be the last one then. This is this, this one better be worth it. This is for all the money. <laughs> this is the finale. <laughs> Eric, I'm done. I'm out. Oh gosh, I have a tear rolling down my eye. Oh my goodness, oh, man. what happened? That's the worst. There? I'm out of water. This is a disaster. But, oh my god! I mean, we have to just end it right there. You got to hit him with the one more time, though. You got to hit him with the code. Thank you, Circle B. Thank we you, love Circle you guys. B. Diecast, CircleBDiecast.com. Use code <clears throat> OOTG for free shipping on orders over thirty dollars. Thank you again to Chase Briscoe uh, for playing along with us earlier. Brennan, always great to have you uh, on the show. We will be back uh, next month. It's the end of September, so we'll see you guys in spooky season. October is around the corner. Yeah. Um, But that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Power Hour. Power Hour.